European Heart Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 8, Focus Issue on Imaging, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Luscher. Imaging and Outcomes in Cardiac, Valvular, and Peripheral Arterial Disease After clinical history and examination, imaging is often the next and essential step in the diagnosis and management of cardiac disease. Indeed, the heart is an invisible organ, only accessible to clinicians since the discovery of radiation, ultrasound, and magnetic resonance. Today, a number of imaging modalities are at our hands, such as echocardiography, coronary computer tomography, nuclear perfusion imaging, and cardiac MRI. The major issue that remains is comprehensive imaging, i.e. the use of the right modality for the right patient. Thus, the Year in Cardiology 2015 Imaging by Jerome J. Bax from Leiden University Medical Center in the Netherlands is a timely summary of the current progress and appropriate use of different imaging modalities. Recently, prognostic implications of several non-invasive imaging techniques have been the focus of some landmark studies. Non-invasive characterization of atherosclerosis processes and vulnerable plaques have been possible with advances in cardiac magnetic resonance imaging and nuclear imaging techniques. In addition, 3D echocardiography and multi-detector row computed tomography have improved our understanding of valvular heart disease. Finally, data on the clinical role of integration on non-invasive imaging techniques are accumulating and its use is expected to increase in the coming years. Imaging is not only important for cardiac conditions, but also for peripheral arterial disease. In The Year in Cardiology 2015, Peripheral Circulation, Victor Aboyans from the Hôpital du Poitrain in Limoges, France, note that last year, the interest of carotid intermedia thickness to reclassify individual risk in such patients has been challenged, but may remain interesting for younger individuals. In a middle-aged Spanish cohort, the coexistence of several peripheral plaques was common, with iliofemoral plaques having the best correlation with coronary calcium. In asymptomatic carotid stenosis, multimodality imaging is increasingly used to select those requiring revascularization. The understanding of genetic subtypes of aortic diseases has improved recently, although the lack of benefit of Lazartan in Marfan syndrome tempered the enthusiasm raised by previous studies. Similarly, new trials failed to limit the expansion of abdominal aortic aneurysms pharmacologically. In the lower limbs, the epidemiology of amputations in Europe is better understood, highlighting the burden of lower extremities artery disease. In patients with claudication, the non-inferiority of exercise training to a revascularization strategy of proximal lesions has been demonstrated. The public awareness of venous thromboembolic disease is low as compared to other cardiovascular conditions. High levels of D-dimers detected in a community-dwelling cohort are associated with increased risk of venous thromboembolic disease. When venous thromboembolic disease occurs, screening for occult cancer using abdominal-slash-pelvic CT does not improve patient's prognosis. In deep vein thrombosis at high risk of embolization, systematic insertion of a vena cava filter, in addition to anticoagulation, 
did not provide benefit. Similarly, after first unprovoked pulmonary embolism, extension of anticoagulation to 24 rather than 6 months did not improve the outcome. Computed tomography is increasingly used in cardiac patients for plaque quantification, suspected coronary disease, assessment of valvular prostheses, or even to guide interventions. Its use in myocardial infarction is more novel and reported by Akira Sato from the University of Tsukuba Graduate School of Comprehensive Human Science in Tsukuba, Japan, in the first paper, enhancement patterns detected by multi-detector computed tomography are associated with microvascular obstruction and left ventricular remodeling in patients with acute myocardial infarction. The authors evaluated myocardial contrast delayed enhancement with multi-detector computed tomography, MDCT, for detecting microvascular obstruction and left ventricular remodeling revealed by delayed enhancement MRI in 92 patients with a first acute myocardial infarction immediately after primary PCI. Patients were divided into two groups according to the presence or absence of heterogeneous enhancement. Heterogeneous enhancement was defined as concomitant presence of hyper and hypo enhancement within the infarcted myocardium on MDCT. Microvascular obstruction and left ventricular remodeling were detected in 53% and 32% of the patients respectively. In a multivariate analysis, heterogeneous enhancement and a relative CT density of more than 2.2 were independent predictors for microvascular obstruction with an odds ratio of 13.5. The presence of heterogeneous enhancement and relative CT density of more than 2.2 showed a positive predictive value of 93% while the absence of these two findings yielded a high negative predictive value of 90% for microvascular obstruction. Heterogeneous enhancement was associated with left ventricular remodeling with an odds ratio of over 6. The authors conclude that in patients with a first infarction, heterogeneous enhancement detected by MDCT after primary PCI predicts microvascular obstruction and left ventricular remodeling. Calcific aortic stenosis has become center stage in cardiology with improved imaging and the introduction of TAVI procedures. In the second paper, sex-related differences in calcific aortic stenosis, correlating clinical and echocardiographic characteristics and computed tomography aortic valve calcium score to excised aortic valve weight. Voyusili Tlopane Nkomo and colleagues from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota examined sex-related differences and correlates of surgically excised aortic valve weight in 888 consecutive patients with pure aortic stenosis. In a subgroup of 126 patients, aortic valve weight was correlated with aortic valve calcium score as assessed by CT. Women and men had similar index valve areas of around 0.4 cm2 per m2, but women had slightly higher NYHA class and less coronary artery disease. Aortic valve weight was 1.94 grams in women, but 3.1 grams in men, and hence lower even when indexed to body surface area or left ventricular outflow tract area. Using multivariate analysis, male sex, bicuspid valve, and larger outflow tract area were determinants of increased aortic valve weight along with current cigarette smoking. Surprisingly, 
diabetes and hypertension were associated with lower aortic valve weight. Aortic valve calcium correlated well with aortic valve weight and was lower in women than men. The authors conclude that despite a similar degree of aortic stenosis severity, women have less aortic valve calcium and lower aortic valve weight compared to men, irrespective of valve morphology. The manuscript is accompanied by a thoughtful editorial by Bernard Lung from the Bichat Hospital in Paris. Besides aortic stenosis, mitral regurgitation is the most common valvular disease. Although surgical reconstruction is still the treatment of choice, catheter-based interventions, such as mitroclip, have become an alternative for high-risk patients. In the third clinical research paper, entitled One-Year Outcomes and Predictors of Mortality After Mitroclip Therapy in Contemporary Clinical Practice, results from the German transcatheter mitral valve interventions, TRAMI, registry, Miriam Puls and colleagues from the University Medical Center Göttingen in Germany present outcome in the largest mitroclip cohort to date. 749 patients were available for one-year follow-up, during which mortality was 20%. At one year, two-thirds of patients were in NYHA class 1 or 2, compared to 11% at baseline, and self-rated health status on Euroqual visual analog scale improved by 10 points. Importantly, a significant proportion of patients regained the complete independence of self-care after mitroclip implantation, i.e. 74% versus 59% at baseline. Predictors of one-year mortality were NYHA class 4 with a hazard ratio of 1.6, anemia with one of 2.4, previous aortic valve intervention with one of 2.1, serum creatinine of more than or equal to 1.5 mg per deciliter with one of 1.8, peripheral artery disease with one of 2.1, left ventricular ejection fraction below 30% with one of 1.6, severe tricuspid regurgitation with one of 1.84, and procedural failure with one of 4.4. The authors conclude that treatment of significant mitral regurgitation with mitroclip resulted in clinical improvements in a high proportion of patients at one year. Procedural failure provided the highest risk of one-year mortality. Midwall myocardial fibrosis on cardiac MRI is a marker of early ventricular decompensation and adverse outcomes in aortic stenosis. In the fourth clinical research paper entitled A Clinical Risk Score of Myocardial Fibrosis Predicts Adverse Outcomes in Aortic Stenosis, Calvin Chin from the University of Edinburgh in the UK aimed to develop and validate a novel clinical score using variables associated with midwall fibrosis in 147 patients with a peak aortic velocity of 3.9 meters per second using MRI, and validated the score in two outcome cohorts of asymptomatic patients. Primary outcome was a composite of aortic stenosis-related events, such as cardiovascular death, heart failure, and new angina, dyspnea, or syncope. The final score consisted of age, gender, maximal velocity, high-sensitivity troponin-1, and ECG strain. Patients in the outcome cohorts were classified according to the sensitivity and specificity of the score into low-risk, i.e. less than 7%, intermediate-risk, 
i.e. 7-57%, to and high risk above 57%. In the internal outcome cohort, aortic stenosis-related events were more than tenfold higher in high-risk patients than those at low risk. Similar findings were observed in the external outcome cohort. The authors therefore propose a clinical score that predicts adverse outcomes in asymptomatic patients with aortic stenosis and potentially identifies high-risk patients who may benefit from early valve replacement. The manuscript is accompanied by a critical editorial by Yao L. Cavalcanti from the University of Pittsburgh in the USA. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal finds the interest of its readers.